Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Jay Salveson. John Russell's in the studio today. Eric Franson is out of town. Alive, I'm, not dead, gone, but not I, forgotten. I, I'm playing injured, by the way. Whoa. Uh, uh, hurt my, my index finger. Oh, my gosh. It's dude. all swollen. And it's limiting my ability to click, but that's. So that's what the, you're saying. Mouse. Eric needs to give you hazardous pay. I think he should, but that's what a pro does. <laughs> that's what a pro Do, does. Doesn't let, uh, you know, a little injury slow you down. Unlike a lot of today's athletes. Whoa, e, don't be taking I, I got, shots. At, I got an ingrown toenail. I'm going to have to sit out. Don't for a be week taking or two. shots at George Hill. Cal Stop Ripken, it. greatest baseball player ever. No, he wasn't. Played through everything. He wasn't the greatest baseball player ever. Stop it. As an Orioles fan, that's that's all we got going for us these days. <laughs> we all so want. Bad. Back in the day, we had Cal Ripken Jr. What have you done with your life? John Russell, AJ Salson here. Thank goodness it's Friday. That's right. TGIF, 403 your start time here on the Full Court Press on 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, so grateful to have you join, however, wherever you may be. Uh, a lot to get into. NBA free agent, free agency dives in both feet into the water starting June 30th. That's a Sunday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. We got a lot to cover and get you our five bold predictions. We have our NBA, or I guess our top five list. It's going to be our top five bold predictions for NBA free agency. You and I were having a conversation in the prep room. I mean, we we kind of started to get a little bit heated there. I mean, because we're having these arguments and, and these disagreements. It just comes to show you, John, this NBA free agency is going to be no. berserk. First of all, you get heated because you're wrong and I'm right. And as soon as you understand you don't understand that, how this, you'll, you'll uh, yeah, be all good. No, but. dude. this I'm not going to just bow down to your feet because you're John Russell. Yeah, I don't care. Again, another reason. You know, life would be a lot easier for you. <laughs> no, this is, this is going to be fun. It's, this is going to be a fun free agency period. Uh, there, there's some things that we've already seen that that are going to come to pass. Uh, they're, they're letting out. We'll get to those in a little bit. But it, it's as we've talked about. It's that game of dominoes. Who's the first one, and what impact does that have on the other teams and the other players that are out there? And uh, you know, that's why I think that this is going to get going quick. Sunday evening, I think you're going to see some things real quick. Uh, because guys are just going to want to be out there at the forefront. They're going to want to make their play. They're going to want to do what they want to. But let's get to that in a little bit. Some other things going on in the sports world. That's right. How about the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team? Hello. They took an early lead to nothing. And then they had to hang on for dear life. Yeah. To get away and get out of France's backyard with a two to one win, uh, impressive stuff to say the least. In fact, the U.S. Women's tenth straight World Cup win now match, uh, or excuse me, now ties the all-time record set by Norway in ninety-five through ninety-nine, yeah. and they're about to make it eleven. If I might bold say, as they play England on Tuesday at one o'clock U.S. time. Yeah. It, well, it's uh, worried about a uh, maybe a letdown. This was just a great game. If you if you're not a soccer fan, you would have enjoyed this game regardless. Oh, absolutely! So well played, back and forth, tons of action. Uh, you know, the big argument people have with soccer is is that well, they don't score a lot, and it was two to one. But man, this this was such a great game, and and as as a real soccer fan, this was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. U.S. came out, dominated right off the bat. Um, they get a goal from Rapino five minutes into the into the first half, uh, and then and really controlled the first half altogether. Um, but France came back, 
really supported by the crowd, by the home crowd, played much better. They won the second half as far as I'm concerned and um, really made it an exciting game. And U.S. Uh, lucky to came, come away with the win, uh, at least you know not having to go to extra time or even penalty kicks, but a whale of a game. But uh, – yeah, it, this this has been a real treat. So if you you know if you've got some chances to watch some of the the remaining games in the World Cup, watch them. This is this has been a blast. It's pure talent. It all starts at halftime. That's right, halftime. As you said, uh, Rapino gets the first goal. They lead one nothing a half. That bodes good for us. Why? Oh, yeah. They're twenty five and oh, and with two ties when leading at half in the World Cup in twenty seven World Cup appearances. France, zero oh and four, when trailing. At World Cup at half. I mean, that is how much it matters. Yeah. By the way, U.S. Uh, women in the semifinal for the eighth time. By the way, there's been eight World Women's World Cups. <laughs> men yeah, they're, they're have phenomenal. only been there once since 1930. Oh, we're not even going to talk about the men's team right now. Just, just put that aside. We're not going to worry about it. Uh, you know, a couple of things, just highlights for this yeah, game. Yeah, please. Um, Megan Rapino. Oh, my gosh. She is back in everything she, up. She was on fire in this game. Uh, the last game against Spain, she scored two goals, but they were on penalty kicks. You take those penalty kicks away, and she really did not play well. She was slow to the ball, a lot of bad touches, a lot of bad passes, just didn't look really good. She came out today, and, and here's the one thing that – so she, she, she has a penalty kick. Uh, that's what she scored on. It, it wasn't a, a, a inside the box. It, it was an outside in, a direct penalty kick. She makes it, but she just wails on it, and and it, the, the goalie gets obstructed, doesn't see the ball coming, it goes in. A beautiful shot. I really wish more and more soccer players would just stop trying to get that extra touch to get the perfect shot. Just let one rip, because yeah. half the time it's going to get deflected. The goalie may not get a clean catch on it. Um, uh, anyway, so it was good to see her do that, but she, she played phenomenally well. The other thing was the U.S. women's defense was was just stellar again, today again, again, but it was even better. But Crystal Dunn, my new favorite soccer player on the women's team, she just absolutely dominated. Um, can't remember the French uh, uh, forward's name, but but she kept her in check the whole game and, and was just dominant. So, like you said, women move on. They get to play England next up, and uh, the the worry now you've got this was the game everybody was talking about. This was the one everybody was saying, you know, this is the one we're looking forward to, U.S. versus France. In France, it's going to be a great game. Um, this could determine who the final win, you know, who the ultimate winner will be. Now you got to worry about a little letdown. Now you got to worry about are the women going to be up? Are they going to be ready to go as they play, play against England? You and I were talking about it, and you said, well, no, they should be home free. England is not a bad team. US they just shut out better. Norway 3-zip. Yeah. U.S. is a much better team. There's no doubt about that. But how many times have we seen this in sports? Uh, and, and you can go down the line. Georgetown losing to Villanova in the NCAA basketball tournament years ago. That one still pains me. Um, you know, you can go through every sport. Diamondbacks. New England Patriots, 2007. Yeah. Diamondbacks beating the Yankees years uh, several years 2001. ago. 2001. Those are teams that should not have won those series. They were not the better team. And in, in soccer, all it takes, England gets an early goal, takes some steam off the game, then they back the defense in, and, and all of a sudden, uh, U.S. is losing one zip. It, it's very possible, but the way they've been playing, I don't see it happening. The, uh, the women's team, they've scored in the first, I think it was the 12 minutes in all the games they've played yep. in the World Cup. Yep. So uh, I, I don't see it any differently, but... Uh, uh, hats off to them. They were just absolute dominant performance in the first half, held on in the second half, and uh, they they walk away. They play to it, play to play another day. July second, Tuesday, one o'clock, U.S. England in the women's uh, World Cup semifinal again. England beat Norway three zip. Let me ask you something. Actually, the only thing the only thing that would have made that better is if the game was on July fourth. Oh my gosh, US I would England it. on July fourth. Oh 4th. man, oh, man, that would have been awesome. If the championship was on July fourth. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. You know, I'm going to put you on the spot here in a couple ways, and I didn't prepare you for this, and for that I apologize. But I want to get yeah, your you raw reaction to this on two things. Okay, let's start with. Um, we'll save that one for. I'll start with this one. If this team wins, based on how incredible their defense has been for the U.S., 
Would you put them ahead of the 99 World Cup team if United States goes on to win this World Cup? I mean, you saw the 99 World Cup, the incredible, one of the greatest shootouts ever, maybe in Women's World Cup history. Mm -hmm. Where would you put this team based on if they win it? I I think you have to put this team at the top just as how dominant they've been. They've not lost a game since they lost to France at the beginning of uh, 2019. Uh, they've they've just absolutely steamrolled through the the uh, through the World Cup. This particular World Cup, they're friendlies. They've been dominant, uh, and and they're so well rounded. And I think that's the difference. And, and we can get into other sports and talk about you know how good are you know how good were some basketball teams because they were able to outscore other teams, you know, one forty to one thirty eight. Or uh, go back to my beloved Chicago Bears. Uh, the year they won the Super Bowl, you know, greatest super, greatest defense in NFL history, as far as I'm concerned. But that helped the offense. Their offense wasn't great. Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, they did enough to get the win, but it was really the defense that won. This women's soccer team, when it comes to soccer, is so well rounded. Best team ever, women's team. Okay, now for the political aspect of it, the United States men's soccer team gets paid more, mm-hmm. but yet this women's team can sell out any stadium anywhere. They are that good, and they're that attractive in regards to their talent on a field. How do we make this an equal opportunity kind of thing? Because this women's team, again, eight straight semifinals in eight straight World Cups, and there's only been eight World Cups. They are the talent that continues to feed here in the U.S. in soccer. While the men's team has, I mean, you're looking at selfish attitudes, behavior, uh, do they want to be there? The the attitude, the whole thing, like we have this whole. It's like Houston Rockets all over again. What do we need to do to make this an equal opportunity to to show the women's national team that hey, we do appreciate what you are doing? Yeah, uh, that that's a great question. And there there have been stories coming out of France that that the numbers have not been what they've been projected. That people are not showing up in the volume in in the numbers that they've talked about. I, I hate to say it, it comes back to my business background. It's a supply and demand. Um, you you go out and you support the team. You buy the jerseys. You buy the the stuff, and, and let people know. Um, you know, unfortunately, with the men's soccer, you're not talking about just U.S. You're talking it's a worldwide. That that's the world's game. Soccer is the world's game, and and there's just a mindset from the powers that be that are saying, hey, we're going to spend more money to try and be more competitive on the men's side. Whereas you sit, look at the women's side, and you know, I, I hate to say this, I'm not sure how it'll come off, but they're killing it the way it is. So why funnel more into it? I agree with that's you. a great answer. You, you need to you need to have the you know every you know equality in in how they're able to to train in the conditions in which they train. Fields need to be equal. But the reality is is that I I know you know I've got a feeling there are people out there that are saying hey this is what we put into it and we're beating everybody. Let's see if we can funnel some of those resources and make the men's team better, which is not happening. Uh. Hey, that's a great. You know what? I don't have anything to add to it. That's a great answer. I love how you put that. I was gonna, you know, and I would have just ruined it. Again, uh, Megan Rapino, just unbelievable. Uh, scores two goals again. She's the first player to score two or more goals in back-to-back World Cup game appearances since Marta in 2007. The U.S. 25 and 0 when leading at half. They've won 10 straight World Cup matches. That ties the all-time record set by Noe, who did it from 95 to 99. More importantly, the eighth straight semifinal World Cup appearance by the United States. Yeah, one one more quick note. Please. What's interesting is that uh, uh, Rapino is now on, on goal or on track to, to win the Golden Boot for the most goals oh, in the World me. Cup, which is interesting because uh, you know she started slow, and after that, that initial 13-0 win over, over Thailand, uh, you know, it looked like uh, you know, I just lost her name. Um, anyway, there were other people that were going to be able to step up, and she's she's just played solid. And uh, like I said, uh, play, if she plays the way she did today for the rest of the tournament, it's over. U.S. is U.S. is winning.
We're going to take an early break because we got a lot to get into today. Our next topic, Jordan Love. A great article written on the, in The Athletic by Chantel Jennings on Jordan Love, uh, who he was, the adversity he's been through in his life, to where he is now, which, by the way, is something. When you're one of the top quarterbacks, not just in the conference, not just in the state, but in the country. We'll talk about Jordan Love. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. John Russell, Al J. Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Ozzy Salveson, John Russell, Full Court Press, 418 through time here. 106 FM, 1398 in the fan. Thanks for joining with us here on a TGIF. Let's get you ready for the weekend. A lot to get to in a little amount of time to do it. You know, do you remember back in the day, and this almost seems like forever ago, and I want to be careful how I phrase this because, <laughs> I mean, he, he did do a lot for the university. Remember when Chucky Keaton was his Heisman candidate mm-hmm. and everybody thought, dude, this is the greatest quarterback to ever touch. The turf, or grass, or Romney, or Maverick Stadium. It yep. seems like, I mean, just years and centuries ago. Because of one guy who's came in and done what he's done. Despite having all these obstacles he's had to climb through because of a coach who couldn't make up his mind. Yeah, Jordan Love is doing some incredible things. I know everyone's, the whole thing, the argument, in every, from everybody south of where we live, outside of this valley, says, well, it's your schedule. That's a great-looking schedule, yada, yada, yada. You, st- you still got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. You still got to call the plays. You still got to make the decisions. I don't care if you're do- who you're doing it against. It's still Division One football, buddy. Yeah. And Jordan Love has done just that. Wonderful uh, article by the, in The Athletic by Chantel Jennings. Uh, this thing is I – mean, Chantel's incredible. She is, uh, she's been all over the state of Utah as a whole, from Utah to BYU and, and now got Utah State covered. Um, let me ask you something. When did it click for you, John, that, wow, Jordan Love really does have it to be a great quarterback? Was there a game? Was there a play? Was there, I'm, I'm in a moment? When for you? Yeah, I, boy, that's, that's a great question because I don't think there was anything that, that really stood out uh, that, that was that moment. I think you have to actually go back to the year prior. You have to go back to, you know, he had the chance to, to come on board to take over a team uh, that, that was struggling and, and played well back in 2017. You look at his numbers, and, and he had a decent season. It wasn't you know phenomenal by any stretch of the, of the imagination, but it, you could see these flashes of this guy has the tools to be able to do something special. And then when, when he was put in an environment where he was allowed to showcase those skills with talent around him, you you could say you could look at him and say here's a guy that incredibly talented but he knows how to use the talent around him and i think that was the big thing for me uh you know they're they're great football players out there but he he recognized his role as a part of the team and as a leader let's face it quarterbacks are always a leader but how he recognized that you know, it, it's not about me, and it's about the offense and what we do. And the way he ran the offense last year uh, for beginning to end, it was just phenomenal. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, I mean, and when you talk to all the receivers from last year, Dax Raymond, Tarver, uh, Tarwin Thompson, Darrell Brown, I mean, everybody who was out there on the offensive side of the field with love said, man, he nothing phases him. Nothing phased him. He goes into Michigan State in the East Lansing on a season opener and doesn't flinch. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and that, that fourth quarter drive in the final two minutes, or I guess before, I guess the second to the last drive, was just a thing of beauty. It was him just leading this offense, cool, calm, and collected. Yeah, And, and I think it, going back to, to the point I was, I was trying to make, that that's a great example. The Michigan State game, they were down. He, you know, he remained calm. But the other thing was is that he didn't let that turnover get Define him. Oh, I'm with you. He, you know, I'm with he, you. He didn't turn around, and it would have been very easy to sit back and go, oh, man, I had the chance, and I blew it. And you could internalize it, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it could have an effect on the rest of your season. It was almost highs or lows. It was like, that was awesome, but we're starting from scratch again. Or, 
man, that really stunk the way it turned out. Well, let's start over again. And, and that's the thing that, I, that I've that i always appreciated about him. Just just always very even keel. Let me be this guy. You, you see lot, you've seen a lot of football film. Of course, you do a great job on our, on our Aggie post-game shows, whether for basketball, you've done for football. You see a lot of Aggie stuff. When you look at a quarterback like Tyler Huntley from Utah, mm-hmm. what separates Jordan Love that makes him – what What would you say, you know what, Jordan Love is better at this than Tyler Huntley is? In what category – or is there anything that you would put Jordan Love above? I, I think the the thing that it goes back to, he there, how many quarterbacks do you run into that you look at him and you go, this guy's got it all. He's big. He's solid. He's got the arm. What separates Jordan Love – in my mind, is that it seems like to him the game is slowed down. And you hear about this a lot from, you know, it's a coach speak kind of thing. The game has slowed down for him. And you look at Tyler Huntley, you bring him him up as an example. He seems to, even at this point, still get a little happy-footed. Happy-footed? Happy feet? Happy feet. He gets happy feet in the pocket. Whereas with Jordan Love, how many times last year did you feel there were people surrounding him? (laughs) You could tell he felt the pressure, but it almost seemed like he was just kind of like, we're good. We're going to take our time. I'm going to read through all my routes. I'm going to find the right guy. I'm going to make the right pass. That's a great point. When I look at Wyoming, there was three plays where I saw him step up into the pocket knowing a hit was coming from a blitzing linebacker Mm -hmm. getting through, and he would just weather it. Take the hit, make the throw, the reception's there, first down, move the chains. Three times I said, and by the way, the hits weren't like no soft hits. I mean, Wyoming had probably two of the top linebackers in the conference next to David Woodward. Yeah. And they were on him all day long, and he continued to take a beating, but continued to just stay still and stay calm. And that's what really helped out that whole entire team is, look, if Jordan Love can stay cool and calm and collective, John Trill Rockmore talked about it after the game that day, is, look, Jordan Love kept us all composed because we were about losing it at one point. Yeah, you know. Well, we we look at a lot of players, and and you look at the greats, and the greats all have the talent. But again, there, there's there's tons of guys out there that have tons of talent. You can just look at the guys that have come through the state of Utah, uh, primarily in the schools down south, that everybody said, "Oh, this this guy will be the one that'll turn things around," and they just haven't been able to get the job done. And and it's not for the lack of talent. It's what's in their head. And that's what made Chucky such a great quarterback. How many times do we hear Coach Wells talking about him saying he's a sponge? He sits there and he listens and he takes everything in. I get the same feeling about Jordan Love, that he understands there are bigger things to life than football. So instead of getting all stressed about, I'm Jordan Love, I'm I'm the great next great quarterback, blah, blah, blah. He understands. He gets what's important, and he takes that, and, and he's able to transition that into a, how he plays on the field. And he, and again, he's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've sat there just watching the game, going go 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 go, and but yet he's just sitting there cool as as the other side of the pillow. <laughs> so, but you know what? Going back to the article, you understand why he's that way. Yeah. Uh, looking at this offense, it's different now. Um, not only do you have a different offensive coordinator, but you also lose a ton of talent on the offensive side. That's with all due respect to what's coming up here. Uh, but when you lose Tarver, when you lose Dax Raymond, mm-hmm. when you lose DJ Nilsson, who's a really good slot receiver for all intents and purposes, uh, Jordan Nathan, mm-hmm. or I guess Aaron Vons is, is leaving as well. Um, how much pressure does Jordan Love carry to move this offense, and and when I ask that, I'm talking about, I mean, the talent on this side of the ball. You still got Taylor Compton, sure. Uh, you got Carson Terrell, sure. But, I mean, how much pressure do you put on Jordan Love from an analysis standpoint when you look at this Aggie offense? Well, that's what that's what everybody will be looking at is, is you know, can he handle the load? Uh, losing Thompson out of the backfield, losing the receivers, losing offensive linemen. You know, that's going to be the question. But I, 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 t- I tend to flip around and look at it differently in the sense that he seems like he's going to be the type that's going to be able to instill the confidence in the newcomers, that, that his thing is going to be like, you catch the ball. I'll make sure you have it in the right place for you. I'll make sure that I make the right read and don't put you running across the middle 
with you know with the linebacker there ready to light you up. I'm not going to make that play. I'm going to make the play that's going to make you look good. All you've got to do is catch the ball. Uh, if we can get some running back production, that's all the better. You know, you can't control that. But again, it's it's his ability to to slow the game down and to make the right play. That's the key. You look at his numbers from last year. He had a he had a a, a rating percentage of one fifty eight point three. That was first in the Mountain West. He completed sixty four percent of his passes. 32 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. Oh, you know, th- th- his numbers were just stellar. His yards per per uh, uh, attempt, 8.6, number one in, in the Mountain West. He was able to make sure people had the right, that made sure the right guy had the ball in the right place. Uh, and, and that's going to be the difference. Everybody talks about last year, oh, the Yost offense was what did it. Now, he made the right play. You can have the greatest offense in the world, but unless you've got a guy that's able to sit down and able to take what you're trying to present to, to actually successfully complete that game plan, it doesn't make a difference. And he did. So this year, there's going to be that pressure, but I don't see it him feeling like I'm the one that's got to run this offense. He knows that it's important that the receivers are getting the ball in the right place, that they run the right plays, that he doesn't take make mistakes and that's that's what he does best you're gonna find out how good jordan love is and it's not it's gonna probably take a few games into the season when i say a few games in i'm talking about for october 5th at death valley lsu a team that's predicted to be at least in the college football playoff this upcoming year looks every bit of it they have a top five recruiting class in the nation uh they have of course dave aranda former dc at utah state now is at lsu with a loaded and talented backfield that is disgustingly good and by the way the week before you uh, USUSU matchup, the Tigers have a bye. Yeah. And then they get Florida the following week after Utah State. So you're maybe hoping for that small, hey, there might be a trap game. Don't play on it. LSU will be ready to go for Utah State. They know who Utah State is. They know the talent of this offense and of their defense. They will be ready. The you question... Go ahead. No, sorry. What'll what'll be interesting is you know yeah that's going to be a huge game, but they open at Wake Forest in Winston Salem, and yeah. that'll that'll be a good test. Uh, they've got you know what should be an easy game at Stony Brook, but then they turn around and they'll have already two Mountain West games under, under their, their belt. belt. That's right. That's uh, a good point. You know, who and, is it? Colorado State and who? San Diego State. Oh wow! Yeah, so, yeah. San Diego Jeez. State in San Diego on the twenty first of September, and then the next week Colorado State here in Logan. So. Yeah, you talk about LSU, and I and I agree to go into Death Valley and to be able to do anything uh, is critical. But we said that about Auburn, and and look what the Aggies with Chucky. Yeah, were but able that to was do. the season. Then, we're, we're talking true. about the fourth game. Yeah, in. that's true. Fifth. Oh, is it five? So you got Wake Forest, Stony Brook, San Diego State, Colorado State. Oh, so for LSU, it's four LSU's because schedule. they had that bye. That's right. right. That's right. So yeah, it's going to make a difference to them being you know that far into the schedule. But you know that it, it's the Aggies at that point because I'm assuming the mindset of the coaching staff is going to be the same. Goal number one, Mountain West Championship. Goal number two, you know, yeah. title. Uh, the, the you know going to a bowl game. Three, you know, they've got other goals. I I just see this team coming in by that time. They should have their offense. We're we're going to know offensively where the How Aggies are, are at that point. I'm with you. Uh, speaking of Utah State football, they have added two more players to the 2019 roster. Uh, junior college transfer Jalen Bannerman and prep standout Josh Bocut. Bocut, who just returned from a two-year LDS mission in Tucson, Arizona, had originally signed with Oregon State in 2017 when Anderson was the Beavers head coach, while Bannerman began his college career at Kentucky. Uh, the two additions, Utah State will be welcoming 50 newcomers to the program when fall camp starts on, guess when? August 1st. Hello. Yeah. Bannerman's a six foot five, two 240-pound defensive end from Pickerton, Ohio. Uh, spent his sophomore season at Arizona Western Junior College. He averaged 28 tackles, which include one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, while adding a recovered fumble in 11 games for the Matadors. Uh, prior to that, he spent two seasons at Kentucky, where he redshirted in 2016. Uh, as for Boca, he's a 6'5", 285-pound defensive tackle from Charlotte, Oregon. Earned Oregon Class 6A First Team All Three Rivers League honors as a senior and second team honors as a junior at Sherwood, Oregon High School. Uh, he was also named second all-team state as both an offensive and defensive lineman following his senior campaign. Overall, he accounted for 68 tackles, 68 tackles, 
10 and a half sacks as a defensive lineman in his two varsity years, which included 34 tackles, seven and a half sacks in nine games as a senior. By the way, there's also other news that has been updated. Uh, Amy Crosby uh, has been named as a senior associate athletic director and senior woman administrator. Uh, Amy Crosby is actually a former Aggie alum. Uh, in fact, a former student at student athlete. She received her undergraduate degree from USU and began her athletic administration career in in uh, in the Aggie department, according to uh, this uh, press release. Uh, and Hartwell says. Uh, with her experience as a collegiate volleyball player and coach, along with 16 years as an administrator, Amy possesses a unique skill set that drives her passion to enhance the student-athlete experience in every facet. Uh, is it facet or facet? What do you say? Facet. Huh. Interesting. End quote. Uh, by the way, in her new role, Crosby will be responsible for planning, coordination, and implementing a student-athlete support services for the entire athletic department. She will also oversee academics, athletic training, and strength and conditioning in addition to providing Title IX oversight. Crosby will be will also serve as a senior woman administrator for athletics and assist in the sports supervision of various sports. Again, Amy Crosby has been named as a senior associate athletics director and senior woman administrator. Congratulations to her and to Utah State. All right, coming back Sunday. Yeah, real quick, though, oh, uh, sure. that article, can you – repeat because people need to go out and read a great article oh yeah jordan love lots of hype about what he could be this year and next year talking about projections that he could be the next great mid-major quarterback which i agree with but the article really shows the human side people need to check it out Chantel jennings is one of the most talented writers of any business but when you put her on the athletic that's quite an elite list has uh, wrote this article on Jordan Love. It's called Driven by Loss but Not Defined by Utah State's Jordan Love Continues to Progress. Again, you can find that on TheAthletic.com. By the way, speaking of Jordan Love, he's headed to the Manning Academy camp. Uh, In fact, that starts yesterday. Excuse me. We're a little bit late on this news. Uh, but he's been invited to participate in the Manning Passing Academy, uh, the camp, which is the it's in its 20th year. Uh, it took place well, starting yesterday in Louisiana. Uh, other notable quarterbacks that have been invited to the Manning Passing Academy includes Alabama's Tua Talavea, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, Georgia Torch's Jake Fromm, Oregon's Justin, Her- or Justin Herbert, Florida State's Alex Hornibrook, Missouri's Kelly Bryant, Notre Dame's Ian Book, Southern Cal's JT Daniels, Stanford's KJ Costello, Arizona's Rhett Rodriguez, Arkansas, uh, Ben Hicks, Colorado's Steve Montez, Duke's Quentin Harris, and others. Love and the other quarterbacks will spend four days working out and also acting as counselors to high school quarterbacks that will be attending. Love will also have the opportunity to practice with Peyton, Eli, and Archie Manning. My condolences to you, Jordan Love. The benefits also include <laughs> watching film, getting tips from the Manning on how they prepared. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about Eli. Watch film and uh, and uh, what wow. their offseason consisted of in terms of workout and off-the-field work. My goodness, what a list. Why, why are you dogging on Eli? I'm not a fan, but the dude has Super Bowl rings. Oh, no, stop it. Don't you How dare. How many do you have? Oh, six. How many do you have? Six. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about the little six. You know, aluminum foil ones you made. Six. Tom Brady, look, because... Because our Patriots defense couldn't stop Eli Manning in 07, don't you dare blame Tom Brady for that. You make me sick. You make me sick. How many rings does Eli have? Make me sick. How many does Dan Marino have? Yeah, Dan Marino is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in NFL history. Take that. Wow. Overrated. Matt Ryan? He couldn't keep a 28-3 lead. Oh, all of a sudden the defense makes a difference now. You're you're just... No, I... go Go... No, we'll, we'll talk basketball when we come back. <laughs> That's right. NBA free agency starts on June 30th at 6 p.m. John and I will give you five bold predictions on what's going to happen to free agency. We're going to talk Utah Jazz. Do they have a chance with Derek Favors looking at restricted free agency that maybe some guys could pop up on the radar that maybe you wouldn't expect it? And how do we think the Jazz are going to react to it? That's all coming up on the Full Court Press. John Russell, he's a Utah State Aggie basketball postgame dude. I'm Isaac Salveson, 1069-1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. John Russell, LJ Salveson, Full Court Press. It's Friday. Grateful to have you wherever, however you are. 439 is your time. 20 minutes till we get to the top of the hour. 
Uh, that means we got 20 minutes to talk about free agency, and in a wild free agency it will be. One of the most craziest ones since 2010, and LeBron James leaving Cleveland to go Miami Heat. Now, there's different storylines, and there's different weight to to this free agency. Bef- I guess that's then the 2010. That's what I'm trying to say. It was. And, and, <laughs> you lost me there. Okay, stop it. So, there, this free agency will be bigger than 2010s because of this. Only one guy was leaving in 2010. In this free agency, you have one, two, three, four stars that could be going to different places, which could shake up either the Eastern or Western Conference, however you look at it. Yeah. Right? So one of those teams who is still part of free agency, though they might have made their quote-unquote big splash already, is the Utah Jazz. Let's start there, John. Okay. Mike Conley gets picked up by the Utah Jazz. In a trade, away goes Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, Kyle Corver, and two first-round picks. In comes Mike Conley. Now, I see you. I, well, actually, let's do this first. I see you cringe. Tell us your thoughts on the trade. Just Jim on Dye. the two first-round picks. I, I'm perfectly good with 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 the decision. I, I'm okay with it. We know how the Jazz have felt about him. Uh, you know, They almost pulled the trigger back at the trade deadline. Uh, it would have been interesting to see whether that would have made a difference. I'm not sure it would have just for the simple fact that making that big of a trade midseason, you you give your team a limited space of time to be able to really come to adjust to one another. I hate to see him giving up for two first round draft picks, but but it's what's done is done. I also, um, to me, it became very clear that that was their guy. Mike Connolly was their guy. They didn't wait around to see if they could could have picked up. I don't know. D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, there, there's some other guys out there. They needed a scoring point guard, uh, and it's also a risk because free agency, all of a sudden, now everything's in control of the player. They got their guy. That's good. Let's move on with it. The thing that's interesting, though, is you had a lot of the, the so-called experts saying this all of a sudden made the Jazz a, fi- a, you know, a strong potential finalist in the, in, uh, in the Western Conference. Well, that may have changed a little bit. That's or a good could, point. Or, or could change. Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Derek Favors, by the way, has entered the free agency. He'll be fielding calls from interested teams as if he was a unrestricted free agent. Uh, this is according to his agent, Wallace Prather, who told The Athletic. Uh, Favors, who has a July 6th date, expect, I guess July, July 6th date that is his due, um, on his $17 million contract that's guaranteed in 1920, uh, according to Shams, it is a robust market, which means there are teams who are very much interested in Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. They understand how much he, how much, how I cannot talk today, how valuable he is when he is healthy. Mm-hmm. It's same concern. Are, are we going? Are we going to have a reoccurring theme here about being healthy? Yes. Because isn't that what the NBA is all about? Yeah. Kevin Durant's great when he's healthy. Yeah. Right? Well, he he's has been. How he bounces back from an Achilles, that's, that's a huge Gordon injury. Hayward was really good when he was healthy. Yeah. He was not good this last year because he wasn't entirely healthy. But you can't you can't base your decision on that for a guy that's currently healthy. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Wait, 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 wait. Say that one more time. You cannot make that decision on a guy that's currently healthy. The decision yes, Boston you can. Made, Absolutely. No, 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 no. The decision you made to... I don't think Boston made the right decision, although I'm glad it played out the way it did on picking picking up Hayward because he had always been healthy. Favors is finally healthy. Does that mean that he can't go out in the first game next year and, and blow a knee? No. But that's not to say. Would you, you know, would you have guessed Hayward would have had what would have happened to him would happen? No. So. But wait, what's your? I don't get what you're trying to say. Our listeners know because they they get it. No, it, it, the simple fact is, you know, you're talking about favors. He's a big man who's had some injury problems, but he played well all year last year. He was healthy for the most part all year last year. I think that's what you've got to base it on. Yeah, as opposed to as opposed to uh, Boogie Cousins, who's a big man, but he has been hurt a lot lately. Well, Derek Favors was hurt a lot, but he got a full year under his belt. And what? So you're only you're only going to sign people that have never been hurt. 
No, 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 no. I'm saying if a guy suffered an extensive injury, like, or uh, a serious injury, like, like, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm afraid for New York to sign Kevin Durant yeah. if they try to. They, that's a, a ruptured Achilles is that's risky injury. hard, yeah. and it is hard to come back from. And you know what? I can guarantee you he will not be the same player that he was for these past previous years because of a, I mean, it's always in the back of your mind, no matter what. And you know what? Gordon Hayward admitted after the season was mm-hmm. over that that injury was in the back of his mind. Yeah. Even when he was healthy, when he sprained his ankle early in the season, uh, I believe November or December, and he was out for a little bit, he was terrified to come back because yeah. he was worried about the injury. Yeah, and such is the case here. So you may not be getting the same guy. Okay, so does that affect? Well, let, let's get into free agency. Okay, it's certainly a big deal, and there's certainly questions. The number one fish, uh, the the big fish on the market right now is Kevin Durant. Yes. I, I think we there's been a lot of talk about Kawhi. We'll get into Kawhi here in a second, but the big fish is Durant. And from what you're saying, you would be a little more hesitant if you were with the Knicks uh, front office to, For, to be and, willing and to And the sign reason him. I say that is just because of how much money he could be getting paid. Because guess what? He yeah. gets a Supermax. Yeah. He's available for over $200 million. Well, the, the Warriors felt, and granted different injury, but the, the Warriors felt okay with Clay Thompson because they've, they've, they're going to give him, him. Yep. Well, they're going to give him the max. But, again, I mean, the max is – a torn ACL and a ruptured Achilles is totally different. Different injuries, sure. And a max is different from a super max. So if you're only having to pay a guy who did have a torn ACL but only 100-something million, mm-hmm. that's a lot different than paying a guy 200-something million who had a ruptured Achilles. Yeah. Now my question to so where do you want to start? Let's go. And there's so much. We, I know we got to stay what, focused here. I, We've got to focus. Okay, so let's let's do this. Okay, so let's stick with Kevin Durant. If you're Kevin Durant, actually, it's me. If your other teams looking at Kevin Durant, what are you willing to offer him based on the fact that he had a ruptured Achilles? So you're the New York Knicks GM. Mm-hmm. My condolences to you. But if <laughs> you're a Knicks GM, what are you look, saying to Kevin Durant? What are you going to offer him? I, I think that. At this point, if you want him, you've got to offer him a supermax, and you've got to take that chance. Yeah, I, I don't think you have a. I don't think you I can have understand the why. Absolutely, and 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 the big difference because let's face it, the Achilles is what took Kobe down. That was when Kobe, you know, started to slide. Is when when he blew his. Uh, but Kobe was also had a lot more miles under him, and it was it was older. I think Kevin Durant, if it's done right, he's going. Back east, whether it's the Knicks or the Nets, I don't know. According, and my my five will will tell you what I think. According to ESPN, Durant will by of Sunday, a four p.m. Mountain Time when the free agent period starts. As you said, Durant and Clay Thompson will both be out offering max contracts. Durant two hundred twenty one for the super max. Mm-hmm. Thompson one hundred ninety million for the max. Even though both players will most likely miss all of next year. Okay. Uh, if you're Durant. Are you, I mean, what's your, what, if you look at New York, why? Because when you're going to San Francisco in a revenue that is expected to make over about $200 million next year in revenue for the season, why New York? It's New York. And, and you've heard this from all the greats. All the greats love New York. There's something about Madison Square Garden. There's something about being in there. And to be able to take, bring New York back. Because that's, that's a very proud franchise. You look at guys like Walt Frazier, Bernard King, Willis Reed coming back down the tunnel, um, DeBusher, Bradley. I mean, this is a very, very proud. Uh, and you don't even have to go that far back. You look at when, when they were duking it out with the Pacers for the Eastern Conference oh, Championship. Man, those were good days. Those were great. <laughs> I mean, love them or hate them, those were great. Yeah. You, know, you had Starks. You had, you know. Viewing. Xavier you know, McDaniel. Yeah, I mean, those were great. So, to be able to, I, I look at a guy like Kevin Durant and say, "Look, you've won your championships. You won your MVPs. You won your MVPs. We know you're the the you know when healthy the the best player in basketball, arguably. If you can go back to New York, because we've heard it, we heard it from Jordan, we heard it from Kobe, we heard it from LeBron, that there's nothing like playing in the Garden. If you can go back to New York and turn them around and not even win a championship, but make them." legitimate again man that that takes your status as a player to a whole nother level that's what i think the attraction is and it is new york i mean let's there are two markets there's new york and la 
Those, those are the the star market uh, star markets. Right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming back, we'll get back into the rest of the free agency. Kawhi Leonard's included. Kyrie Irving, what's he going to do? Jimmy Butler, is it Philly? Is it L.A.? Is it Houston? We'll get all in that and more in our pulled, or excuse me, our pulled predictions here on 106.9, AM, The Fan. John Russell, Aljay Salveson, we'll be back. East Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. John Russell, Aljay Salveson here on The Fan, 106.9, AM, The Fan. Let's get right back into it. Uh, free agency. Starts 4 o'clock Mountain Time here. Uh, I said 6 o'clock earlier. That's Eastern Time. 4 o'clock Mountain Time on June 30th. That's a Sunday. Uh, John, let's go into our five bold predictions. I want to... Well, let's start with Kawhi Le- Actually, you know what? Never mind. Give me your... F- let's go. Well, I, I'm not sure if I can come up with five bold predictions because I, I think, in my mind, what's going to happen is it's not going to be the big shocking things that happen, but the things that don't happen. Okay. And so my first one is, and I'm not sure which one it's going to be, so I'm kind of weaseling out of it here a little bit, but either New York, the, either the Knicks or the Nets are going to get shut out. And, and my guess <laughs> yes, it, my guess is it, it might be the Knicks because the Knicks seem to be really putting all their eggs in the Durant-Kyrie basket. And I think if those two don't get together, it ain't going to happen. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, so that's bold prediction. One of the is number one is one of those two guys or one of those two communities, towns, teams, uh, kind of gets shut out. Now, it doesn't mean they won't get anyone, but it's not going to be the big star power uh, that they were hoping that, for. That, that they were. If New York for. doesn't get anybody out of this, this might be one of the most disappointing summers in franchise history, well, without a doubt. Give me number four. Within. I'm only giving you three. Okay, fine, three. And that's my number one. That's my my big prediction. Uh, bold prediction number two, uh, Milwaukee Bucks are going to have some issues. I think they're going to lose some players uh, simply for the fact that, uh, you know, it, it was tough that Giannis, you know, he had a great year, MVP, all that was good. But the fact that Toronto was able to, to do what they did, I think it's going to scare some people, small market. I think they lose a couple of players. Number one, or I guess number three. And uh, number three is, I think, why goes back to uh, Toronto. Okay, so here's, okay, so I actually want to get into two of those really quickly. Number two and number three. Chris Middleton might be the most underrated free agent in this whole Mm -hmm. entire thing. I think you and I talked about this off the air a couple days ago. Chris Middleton is so darn good, and he's getting absolutely no, I guess, I mean, maybe he's getting attention from the NBA teams. I have no idea. But if he is, it's being swept underneath the rug because of Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, there, there's a Do lot of Do they lose Chris Middleton, you think? Yeah, very possible. Well, I'm I'm saying they're going to lose a couple. He's going to have to be one of those pieces. Oof. I think he they lose him. They might lose Bledsoe. Uh, there, there's some, there's going to be some issues there. And I don't think Milwaukee will be back in the finals, uh, in the Eastern oh. Conference finals. Uh, Giannis is just an amazing talent, but I don't think he can do it. Let's talk about Kawhi. Tell me this. Magic quits on the L.A. Lakers. I mean, just (laughs) gets a podium, sticks it up on a little stool, and says, hey, I'm done. Yet Kawhi requests a meeting with Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss. He's still Magic. He's still Magic Johnson. Yeah, but Magic just totally walked out on that franchise. Why would you want to meet with him? He's still... Magic Johnson, and and as much as you hate, love or hate Magic or whatever, if you saw him in the airport, you you you'd start giggling sure. like a little sure. kid, going, "Look, that's Magic." I'm yeah, sure, and, and he, he is who he is. And for somebody that grew up in L.A. at that time, uh, or of that generation, um, it wasn't necessarily Kawhi, but his his father who and uncle who are a big part of this. You know, they want Magic there, and Magic. Is the Lakers as much as what happened happened? He's still Laker royalty. He's still the man. I think what happens. I think Kawhi only signs like a one or two year deal with Toronto in Toronto, just so he can say, "Guys, I'm still in charge." 
I'm going to do it the way I want. And I, and I don't mean that from an ego standpoint. LeBron would do that. Those That's why Cleveland could only get him to do the one-year yeah. deals. Is his was more like, I'm in charge. You're going to do it the way I want to. Kawhi's more of the, along the lines of, hey, I, I'm going to do it on my terms. I won you an NBA championship. Yeah. Well, I won you a championship, but I'm also not going to be bullied into having to sign these big deals. And, and it's not as important for me to – to be on, you know, in Tinseltown or at the Garden. So you think he stays though in Toronto? I do, but I, I don't love think, it. I don't think he signs a super max deal. Yeah. With wow. So what are yours? You you got just a couple seconds? Sure. Ago. No, no, no. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, I think Milwaukee. I actually I kind of agree with you. I think Milwaukee does lose a couple of guys. Uh, I think that Brooklyn um, loses out on Kyrie, and that Kyrie goes to L.A. That Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris both sign back in Philadelphia. Ooh. I think both of them will stay there. They okay. got something going. Look, I mean, Milwaukee bullied you around, and you lost on a, you know, twenty-five foot bounces from Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you're really that close from winning a being in the NBA finals. Yeah, but that's that's some ego going on there. That's got some problems. That's true. And, that's and an Jimmy issue. Butler is one of those egos. And, and secretly, I'm hoping somehow Tobias Harris ends up in Utah. And I, I love that guy. I'd love to see him in a Jazz uniform. And by the way, I think Tucker ends up in Utah. Ooh. Interesting. From Houston. That's what I'm hoping. That's, I mean, but, dude, it's free agency. Nobody has any clue. Yeah. And, I, like, I was listening to guys saying, like, well, I think I heard Kawhi Leonard's doing that. No, you didn't. You your <laughs> junk, man. That, see, that's a great thing is you and Eric will be back here Monday, and I won't have to answer to any of these outrageous Yeah, claims. you're so lucky. <laughs> dude, you got off the hook, by the way. Uh, John, thanks for your time. Grateful to have you, man. Appreciate Always a you. a pleasure to be here. We'll be back Monday, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on 106.9. FM 1390 AM The Fan. Hope you uh, enjoy your weekend. Women's World Cup back on Tuesday. We have to wait that long. That's too bad. We'll see you Monday. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Well, finally, NBA free agency is here. We've gotten all those bothersome details out of the way, like the draft and the NBA Finals. It feels like all of that was a prelude to the real show. I can't remember a postseason in any sport where fans seem more concerned about the impact on free agency than who won the title. Now we get to sit back and open up our phones and let the Woj bombs drop. I'm, of course, referring to ESPN insider Adrian Wojnarowski. He normally has the big news first, and there's nothing more fun than an alert when Woj has something brewing. This has a chance to be one of the more impactful off-seasons in league history. Hall of Famers like Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard could be on the move. Several other All-Stars are out there. The action officially begins Sunday at 6 p.m. I got my popcorn ready. Let's make some deals and possibly change the entire direction of the NBA in a couple of days. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.